The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Josh Allen, have a great year. Thanks Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Oh, for NBC Sports, Bill's Camp, this is Peter King. All the best to you. You still got it? Yeah, we got it. Josh, good luck this year. Wish you well. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) The Revenge of Josh Allen one year later. I saw another version of that where they do a very protracted and prolonged handshake with fingers wiggling and Like what he does with Stefan Diggs and all that. Right. Right, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't so, see that. I'd like to see that. There's no way Peter Peter King can barely pull off the normal handshake. You think he's going to be able to pull off all those type of moves? I got to see that to believe it. <laughs> it looked like he had it. He was following along nicely. We retweeted the clip of it at the PFT feed, so you can find it there if you're curious to see Peter King and Josh Allen in a lengthy, never-ending handshake. Or you can see it right now by the miracle of modern technology. Peter's a little bit behind. Uh, he's, it's a work in progress. He's, all right, he's all learning right. it. <laughs> he's getting there. That's a lot of your stuff. A lot of stuff you do. Yeah. In that. Well, so. yeah, yeah. You got. You know, it, those are things that in a locker room. You know, when you have a bored moment, right? Or you know, hey, it, it's five. It's ten minutes. We we've had a meeting. We got a five or ten minute break, right? And now we're gonna get to go to the. We we gotta go to another meeting, or you know, you know, the 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 cafeteria. Those are the things guys in the locker room do to like pass the time by. Hey, let's come up with our handshake when we make a good play on the field. Hey, let's do this, and it starts to kind of you know go throughout the locker room that way. But that's how you kill time in an NFL world or the sports world when you have those few dead moments between meetings, working out, and all that crap. And actually, my nephew, who is now 35, when he was five, he and I came up with our own special handshake yeah. that we still do oh, to this day awesome. whenever right. we see each other for the first time. So, And it's a, you know, it's like six or seven moves. It's not that one. I thought that was on a loop. I thought that was like a gif on a loop, but then it finally ended. That just, it never ended, <laughs> that Peter King, Josh Allen handshake. So very well done by Peter, and uh, Josh gets his revenge one year later, as Peter embarks upon his training camp tour, phase one was the Jets, the Steelers, the Lions, the Bills. He's got plenty more. He goes to most, nearly all NFL teams at some point over the course of the next month and learns a lot of great stuff, and there's a lot of great videos. Yeah, You'll see it's awesome what he You'll does. See great breakdown. Football Morning in America is back for the first time in 12 weeks. He took an extended break with no guest columnists, and he loved every minute of it. And now he's back into it, fully recharged, fully refreshed, and he loves every single minute of it. So it's good to have Peter back. You saw him on Friday. If you watched the show then, you'll see him probably later this week as he makes his way around the National Football League. All right, so I I had an interesting weekend. I had an interesting Sunday night. I need to tell this story. And I don't know that my wife is going to appreciate it or not, but you know what? I don't care. Now it's even better. So, So here's what happened. 
Saturday at 4 o'clock Eastern, I specifically selected the time to have my latest bivalent booster. Now, before the anti-science crowd starts shouting at me, first of all, mind your own damn business. Okay, it's my body. I'll decide whether or not I'm going to get the bivalent booster. I'm immunocompromised. I'm going to be traveling every week or most weeks during the season. I wanted the extra protection. So I get it at 4 o'clock Eastern on Saturday. What did you call it? The bivalent? That's what it's called? It's the bivalent booster, yeah. And that's part of the COVID booster? It's as you progress, if you've had all of your shots. I got you. Sounds like you haven't. No. You get to the bivalent booster. Right. I'm eligible for the second one because I'm immunocompromised, and it's been like seven months since I had my last booster. And I'm on a plane twice a week, nearly every week. So, and we start this week, we'll be in Canton. So I wanted the protection. So, anyway, then, and, and, and if I have a heart attack, Anti-science crowd, you can do a victory lap that my heart attack was a direct result of getting the vax. So it usually hits me about 11 hours later. So I tried to time it so I could enjoy Saturday night. If I get sick, I'll get sick late Saturday, early Sunday. I'll deal with it. And I was fine. I was fine. Until exactly 24 hours after I had the shot. I got the fever. I got the chills. I feel like crap. And while I'm in the midst of feeling like crap, I'm sitting in my office trying to be productive. And I hear my wife scream. Now, I've heard that scream from time to time over the years, whether it's being startled, whether it's a box falls out of the pantry, you know, some minor injury that's very minor, but in that first moment, you don't know what it's going to be. So I always wait to see if the scream is followed by anything. Well, this time it was followed by another scream. (laughs) So That's when I started to get moving. And as I was moving, there was yet another scream. There's nothing funny about any of this. I can either laugh or I can cry. So I rush out. To our garage. Wait, so like rush out floor. like right away or rush out like took a drink right away. of the water? No, rushed out. Looked around no, and no, then ran. No, Juji oh, okay. Fruits, okay. no popcorn. All I right. went straight. I went straight. <laughs> Where my office is, it's right around a staircase down to our basement, and there's a door there that leads to the to the garage. So I open up. She's laying on the concrete floor next to her car Ooh. with paper towel on her lower left leg, and I see blood everywhere. Not like you know, Tarantino movie blood, but there was more blood than you would expect to see on the floor trailing around back to the other side of her car. So what happened was she takes the dog out front in her car to block the road because you got UPS, FedEx, mail trucks coming up. She wants to have a car blocking because they come roaring up the hill and she doesn't want somebody to hit the dog and kill it. A very, you know, noble objective to keep our dog alive. So the dog goes out and runs in the front yard. Her car's out there. She has a bunch of flowers all over the front of the house and she'll clip some of them and bring them inside. So she had the, you know, the clippers, the little handheld shears, right. Clippers. Right. And, and she put them in the pocket on the inside of the driver's side door of her car. Okay. And she, she failed to realize there's one very important device on the shears. It's a lock that holds them together. So the shears were wide open. She opens the door, shears tumble out, hit her lower leg right by her ankle and put a gash in it that took three stitches. Wow. So she doesn't do blood well. That's what makes it a hundred times worse. She's like, yeah, she, she, she's just like completely out of it. I'm trying to tell her you had a child who was nine pounds, one ounce. He had a giant head. You can do this. Like, like you can, you can manage this. We'll get you somewhere and get this taken care of. So we got it taken care of. I had to change the bandage this morning. Uh, right before the show started, so I am part-time nurse this week, which is fine. Do what, you know, family is injured. You do whatever you have to do to make it right. But, man, that was something. As I had a fever of 101.4 and and incontrollable chills, we uh, we whisked her away to a local facility where, and this is one of the benefits of living in a small town, you're related to everyone. She is. So, so we got, like, three somebody. cousins who are doctors. Yeah. So we just go doctor, 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 and keep going until we get somebody and we uh, we met up with uh, with one of our cousins, and he he took care of her with the three stitches and a nice bandage on it. And I made a nice bandage on it. It's a work of art. Put a nice bandage on it today. Cleaned it out. So uh, I'm I'm ready for my temporary. I mean, assignment it's kind of unbelievable that it just it could catch it caught her the right way there. I mean, the fact that it fell off out of the driver's side door there and just they're fell sharp just though. right. They're I, sharp. Yeah, yeah. The point right there. Right. And you know, and she got a tetanus shot too because it's metal, and I'm you know. Whatever she's cut with those damn things, like some of that residue is on there too. So 
Uh, so anyway, she's right, fine. Well, I'm glad she's We're good. fine. All right, good. But man, that was a yeah, wild scary. Sunday evening. You better yeah. take care of her. Uh, very okay, well. I don't care if you got your bivariant, whatever the hell you got or whatever. You better Bi-vanal. take care of her. Close okay. enough. Yeah. I am taking care of her. Right. That's why I told the story. Right. I'm taking care well, of her. I know, but we got We're video care evidence of, of you not Alex caring about out. people before. So, you know, I just don't know well, which one's going to show mean, up. I don't know. Wait, you know, there's wait, this there's this taking care of. Hey, my best friend fell, maybe broke his leg. Uh, well, maybe, but I, I'm not going to get up. I still have a water here next to me and stuff, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> I thought maybe well, that's we're the not kind married. of care. All right? That's what I thought. No. I thought we were better than that, you know? Sorry. I guess if there was no one there to take care of you, I would have stepped in. So I would have done. I Thanks, would have shown some concern. Thank you. You seemed fine. You're six <laughs> five. You're a giant. You can't survive a a fall onto carpet. You survive. You were the harder they fall. You've heard of that before. Come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm all right. You fell just right, but man, you came so close to kicking a passerby in the face, uh, which uh, would yeah. have been could have been bad better. for her. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Not. No. It wouldn't have been better. It would have been worse. Although, if she had been healthy, the gift would have been more entertaining. Right. I don't think that we right. would have had fun about the gif if she had actually lost a tooth or something with that big giant moon boot of yours hitting her in the face. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So do you have anything interesting happen this weekend? No, Any, nothing. You know, kicked by a horse? No, no. Thrown by a horse? Good, good, good old family fun. Well, you know, we did have this, you know, we did actually have a storm, right? On, I guess that was, I, I didn't tell you about this last week where we had a huge thunder lightning storm really early in the morning. We don't know what the hell happened. Either way, we woke up one morning last, last week. And I, I think this, this was, this was maybe our last Sunday before I came back. I should have told you this story last week, but this was kind of funny where we, I see animal control driving around our house and I'm like, what's going on? So they, they leave and then they drive back a few minutes later and they go, hey, are your horses missing? And I'm like, I don't know. It's early in the morning. I'm like, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they're up there. So my daughter kind of sees the person come. We come out and we go up to see our horses and the gate has been kicked down or knocked down, whatever. We don't know what happened, but our horses are not there. And they're down the street in somebody's yard eating their bushes and their grass, just hanging out. So that, that was like one of the crazy things. I meant to tell you that last week. Quit a little heart attack in uh, the Sims family there in, in the chest a little bit. But, uh, yeah, everything turned out okay. That was probably the most eventful thing. It was a good family weekend, though, other than that, Mike. Wow. Well, you know, a lot of people get upset when dogs belonging to others yeah, right. will do their business in their yard. Uh, can you imagine having a horse hang out for a while? What's going to be there when the horse is done? <laughs> yeah, so, right. that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, it all worked. So the out. horses are fine. Everything's fine. Horses are. Horses are back. Horses are. The horses are great. They horses walk are right horses. back. Horses are horses. I, we don't even know what happened. We're not sure if like our caretaker accidentally backed into the gate. Like we have somebody that kind of helps out a little bit with some of that stuff. We're not sure if he backed into the gate and then didn't want to be like held accountable, or if there was a huge lightning thunder, which there was that morning. And the oh, horse just them. bucked or kicked or and just caught the gate the right way where it knocked it off the hinges. Yeah, exactly. Spooked him. So uh, we don't know. But uh, freedom. Yeah, freedom. Freedom. <laughs> freedom. But freedom but they didn't from go Chris that far. Sims. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, we we have a neighbor who had a couple of horses, and the horses have since passed. But there was a time when the horses would just kind of walk right out of the pen, and I came out of my barn one day, and the horses just standing there looking at me like, "Hi, horse." <laughs> I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, they know who feeds them. They usually don't. If they're happy, they don't want to leave their home. They don't want to go too far. Yeah. Um, I didn't give him a hamburger or anything. If I would have had one, I would have given him given him a, a taste of something other than oats or whatever it is that horses eat. Okay. Speaking of horses, a football team named for a kind of a horse, a colt. They're having an issue right now. And this thing is oh. like by the minute yeah. getting worse and worse and worse and right. worse. And I think I have a feeling why I probably will make that clear over the course of the next several minutes i think we know so why. so this all starts and we didn't know that there was any issue between jonathan taylor and the colts and last week when we were so focused on the running back conundrum one of the arguments i made as it relates to specific individuals trying to create leverage the best time to get your new contract is after your third season when the window opens that's when ezekiel elliott held out and got a great contract for him christian mccaffrey got a great contract without 
having to hold out after three seasons. Now, he had 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in his third season, only the third guy ever to do it, along with Marshall Falk and Roger Craig. So easier for him to get his contract. Jonathan Taylor missed six games yeah, last year. Right. He's not making not the himself. same strength of closing argument. Yeah. So he didn't hold out. And I thought, okay, you know, it's kind of hard to take a stand. Even though he had 1,811 rushing yards in year two and 20 total touchdowns, it's hard to take a stand now. So it's fine. He gets it. Everything's fine. Then as the week went on, we found out it's not fine. And it all started with that very ill-advised tweet, or whatever they're called now, from Jim Ursay one night last week, Wednesday, I believe, where he chimed in on the running back situation and he suggested bad faith by agents and they're trying to go back and renegotiate a settled CBA. No CBA is ever settled. Everything is subject to further negotiation and change. So he had a, a flimsy argument in multiple respects, but he gets involved in this thing and pisses people off and apparently pissed off Jonathan Taylor. Of course. So it just went downhill from there. And, you know... It's funny. I've said this before. Let me go ahead and say it again just in case anyone out there either didn't hear it or has forgotten it. A lot of times what we will say as I have a feeling or or we couch it as a guess, we know, but we've been told how we can properly articulate it without getting anyone in hot water. When Stephen Holder of ESPN.com floated the idea of Jonathan Taylor possibly demanding a trade on Friday night, that got my antenna. Up. Yeah, oh yeah. Because that's just not it something he's real. pulling out of the right. air. Exactly. Right. And and it's and it, it was couched as theory and speculation. And there was a quote from Taylor back in June where he said, "You can see why some guys demand trades." But I wrote about it on Saturday afternoon because it's like that. this one feels like it's a dart that's going to be pretty close to the bullseye. And by Saturday night, meeting between Ursay and Taylor on his bus, when it's over, word gets out that Taylor wants a trade. And Ursay tells multiple reporters via text they're not going to trade him, no way, no how. And that that's where we were as of Saturday night. It got worse on Sunday, but that's where we were as of Saturday night, Chris. And, I mean, really, you get to that point, guy wants traded, team refuses to trade him. There isn't a whole lot the guy can do after he's already shown up. Can't walk out. If you walk out, they can shut you down for the whole year and you don't play for anybody. So... They got a mess right now, and yeah. I don't know that they can figure this out, especially because Jim Irsay, in my opinion, has not handled this situation very well at all. No, well, I think that's that, that's where you started, right? I mean, you know, again, Jim, Jim Irsay, you know, we have fun. He's done a lot of great things as an owner, but this is one where I just would go, well, why? Well, what was the point of tweeting some of that stuff out? What, what, what benefit did that do to your football team? What benefit did it do to help your relationship with Jonathan Taylor and suit things over? I mean, none of it. It actually did the exact opposite. And why are you tweeting anyways? You're the owner. You know, some of these issues, you're just above it. You shouldn't even be involved in, you know, the pissants uh, conversations that are going on out there. That's where I don't get that. So, yeah, from that standpoint, to me, it's questionable leadership. And then it's questionable leadership on a sensitive topic right now, right? Coming from a guy who's got everything and, you know, $9 million guitars and whatever else. And then here's a guy who's going, wait, I'm the best player on your offense. And, wait, there's a lot of us out here, and this is a conversation that's publicly going on in front of us in the public forum. And, yeah, it was bad timing and sensitive. And sensitive personally to one person who's very important to your football team and the most talented part of your football team. And yet, yeah, you kind of take a below-the-belt jab at it and, and, and put a little gasoline on the fire when it just wasn't necessary. You know, so that's where I don't understand that. And yeah, this seems like it's uh, in a bad place right now. And I don't know where it goes uh, as, as it stands. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor's mad. He is. But I don't know if there's anything he can gain out of this like you talked about. I just find it funny, too, because there's no worth for the tailbacks. But yet these teams realize, wait, this guy's really worth a lot to us right now. But we don't want to pay him. But the running backs have no leverage to stand on to negotiate or find a way out of this. And yeah, this could get this could get ugly or a little messy or at least be a distraction here for the Colts uh, over the next month or so. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, 
the Marines. At Delta, we know Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. On the next flight, 8C is Mandy, a foodie. So we offer all types of food options. Because at Delta, everyone flies their own way. Delta, keep climbing. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Oh, it all of a sudden becomes the pot that is boiling most aggressively in the NFL. And there's some wisdom in potentially giving him an opportunity to go out and try to seek a trade because then he'll find out that whatever he's trying to get from the Colts, other teams may not give him that same amount either. And that's what may be at the core of this. I've heard from a few different people that his agent, Malki Kawa, may have made, and I don't know this to be the case, and I'm going to debunk this theory in a second. Okay. The theory is he made a promise to Jonathan Taylor, 16 million years, the number that's rocketing around. That's top of the market right now for Christian McCaffrey. That's not unreasonable. I heard that's what Saquon Barkley was trying to get. Yeah. 16. If 16 is top of the market and the salary cap keeps going up and up and up, why isn't somebody who's among the best at the position in the league trying to get 16? So there's frustration about the agent. Here's why I don't buy that. Because Ursay would have said something now, more than just bad faith by agents when talking about the entire right. running back position. He would have called this guy out by now. He would have said, we're fine with Jonathan Taylor. It's his agent that's a problem. That, that would already, I think, have come from a text, a conversation, or a tweet from Jim Ursay because he can't help himself. He doesn't have a filter when it comes to nuance, when it comes to subtlety, when it comes to not making things worse. So I can't imagine that he would say all this crap that pisses off Jonathan Taylor and stop short of saying, it's not Taylor, it's his agent. Well, Why wouldn't Urse just say that if that's what they believe? Well, maybe, you know, I I don't doubt you, doubt you. You know, I mean, he has never been gun shy, for lack of a better phrase, as far as saying things like that. Maybe he put out that first tweet, though, and realized, wait, that wasn't the best, so let me not take a personal shot at the agent now, too, and inflame things a little bit more. I could certainly see that happening, you know. But also, I could also see him going, ah, I'll give a crap, and just sending the t- tweet out, too. I, I don't know. I don't know. No, either way... I think it's fair to say, you know, one, yeah, it's fair to maybe connect the dots between that uh, that tweet and bad faith and that. Also, I think it's fair to say that obviously some of the running back agents did not gauge the running back market the right way. I mean, that, that that's real. There's no doubt about that. So I don't think you can deny that either. So he's not totally off base there with that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the the thing that kills me about this conversation where Jonathan Taylor, by by all, I, we support you. Try to be traded, sure, but like like you just talked about, it's it's a little late in the game now. You know, like we've talked about with Saquon Barkley last week. They had money allotted for him at one point. It didn't work out. They gave it to Daniel Jones, and they said, wait, the same offer's not on the table. You know, it's going to be hard for any running back on the free market right now, which isn't really a free market because a lot of these teams' market places are already got a lot of money in the, in the places they need it. They're not going to be able to go out and get what they could in the offseason. So that's where it stinks for Jonathan Taylor, too. You know, so how hard does he want to push that issue? How hard does he want to piss, piss the Colts off, right? And that's, that's where I don't know where this stands. I can tell you one thing. The Colts are not going to trade Jonathan Taylor for, for, for nothing. That, that's for sure. I mean, here we are. Anthony Richardson, they just got this offense. They're going to run the Jalen Hurts Philadelphia Eagles offense. How are you going to make this raw quarterback work? Oh, right, right. We got one of the, the best, most talented running backs in football back here. He's going to help the offense and the development of our hopeful superstar quarterback. So they're going to hold him hostage, too, because he's so important to the development of many things, the head coach and the quarterback here right now. But the flip side of that would be 
hey, NFL teams, if you think that star running backs shouldn't be paid because you can easily replace them, supply outweighs demand. Shane Steichen coming from Philly where they're using a revolving door committee yeah. approach. You don't need That's Jonathan what I'm Taylor saying. to make this That's go. That's what I'm kind of saying. You can saying. throw a rock talking another running back. Both, yeah, they're kind of talking – out of out of out of both sides of their mouth here, they are. The, their NFL teams are. I, I agree with you. That's what I was trying to kind of say. They're kind of trying to say, "Hey, we don't want to pay you, but whoa, you're really important to us. We don't want to pay you, but damn, we need you, Saquon." And that just goes back to our conversation once again of the running backs don't got jack diddly squat to to hold leverage here. And then of course there's some other factors here that that go into it as well. But yeah, that's what's weird about the conversation, Mike. With the, that point you're making too, no doubt about it. And I don't want to criticize the agent because I think he's dealing with an unusual owner relative to the others in the NFL, but this is a hell of a time to try to make it all happen. This is a March conversation, not an it's crazy August, late July conversation. Jonathan Taylor and Zach Martin, as you I'm mentioned, like, what? everybody's right. spent their money. Right. Everybody's spent their money. Right. Everybody's got their rosters set. I don't think he's going to find. That's why I think there's wisdom in letting him try to find a trade partner because I don't think he's going to find what he wants right now, period. So I don't know how they bridge this divide. And as I said earlier, it only got worse from Saturday night. That was the comment from Jim Irsay when he tried to clean up on aisle five after he pissed everyone off with his Wednesday tweet. He says it wasn't really directed to Jonathan. We haven't exchanged any contract numbers. That's when it went next level. Like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jim, Jim, you're burying the lead here. You haven't given the guy an offer on a long-term deal? He's entering the final year of his rookie contract and you haven't even given him an offer yet? Are you serious? That's when it ratcheted up. And so after the trade request came to light and I saw that I think it was Stephen Holder that reported the trade request actually came a few days before it was leaked to the media. What happened yesterday, this is next level. This is nuclear option. This is, hey, Jonathan Taylor, we're going to take full advantage of our rights potentially under the collective bargaining agreement. Multiple reports, both from Mike Chappell, who's covered the Colts for years, and Holder, the notion that the Colts are considering changing Taylor's current designation. He's on the physically unable to perform list because of his ankle that was injured last year. He had surgery. Physically unable to perform means he has a football injury that is still lingering. Right. But if he can't play, if he can't be on the roster week one, if we keep him on the pup list into the season, he still gets his checks. They're thinking about changing it to non-football injury. The allegation, contention, whatever, is he suffered some type of a back injury while working out on his own in Arizona. So what they would do, and apparently they can do this. I talked to a few people last night who weren't, of any, weren't aware of any reason why they can't change the pup designation like the ankle is suddenly magically healed. Right. But the back is still a problem. So we're going to make it non-football injury. And that's significant because you don't have to pay him. If he's on NFI. Now, this is where it starts to send a very poisonous message to the rest of the team and the rest of the league. Because it's not like he was hang gliding, rock climbing, doing stunts on a motorcycle, parachuting. He was working out. If he did suffer a back injury while getting ready for training camp, while working out, and you don't cover him, you got a problem. Because the message to all your players is don't do anything. Don't work out. Work work out. Sit on the couch and watch TV and eat pork rinds. And you'll get in shape when you come to camp. So that's the risk here of this next move on the chessboard that the Colts have made. Uh, uh, Or at least have threatened to make. Yeah, have threatened to make, right? But, but, you know, first off, you're right. That's the nuclear option. You know, second off, it is a horrible message like you're talking about as far as if it was working out doing that. You know, but I, but but then then the follow up, just how adamant Jonathan Taylor was with his tweets to say that's wrong. That's where I just want to be like, you know, where exactly did this come from? Now, I mean, I haven't got a chance to do enough digging here or get a feel for this situation behind the scenes as far as that. But I mean, for Jonathan Taylor to come back out with this tweet, never had back pain, never reported back shame back pain not sure who sources are but find new ones i mean that's pretty defiant i mean to send out a tweet like that would make me think that 
yeah, I don't know, you know, where Mike uh, Chappell's getting that that type of news or, or information well, from. I know who he's getting, but, but Chris, Chris, yeah. this is where Jonathan Taylor's making a mistake, okay? okay? Don't piss off the people who are in a position to help you in the media. Don't take shots at them and make it look like they're doing a bad job. I fully believe that Ursay or someone from the Colts gave that information both to Chappell and to Stephen Holder. They both had the same damn report. So it's not bad information. You need better sources. It's the ultimate source is saying something that's at odds with Taylor's position on reality. So his ire comes off as being directed at the reporters. JT, we're in a position to help you, buddy. We're don't don't take shots at us. And I'm saying generally in the media, you got to take a step back here and wonder where this come from. It's coming from the guy that has been agitating for the last several days. It has to be. I it would think to so, be. too. Both sure. Chapel and Holder aren't going to be getting that. Who are they going to get that from? They cover the team. They talk to the team. Ursay has been on the record with Holder. I, of course it's coming from the team that the team is thinking about doing this. And even if it had come from someone else entirely, because they have a pipeline to the team, they're not going to put that out there without checking with someone with the team to make sure it's not baloney. Well, I, I, I hope so. I hope, you know, I mean, there's a lot of ways. That's how it works. That's how the sausage gets made. It's completely irresponsible. If they would have caught wind of that, that very aggressive move, if they would have caught wind of that from somebody disconnected from the Colts, if you don't get in touch with one of your sources at the Colts to check it before you publish it, you are failing your obligation to your employer and to your audience. It's a simple text. It's a simple phone call. Before you put that out there, you better be damn sure it's accurate. Yeah, I mean, agreed. I've agreed. You know, I just, it's it's an odd one to me. You know, it it is. And and I don't look at Jonathan Taylor and look at it and, you know, necessarily look at it. He's trying to take personal shots at anybody in the media there. He's trying to talk back and he's angry at the owner and the organization. So, uh, you know, uh, Jonathan Taylor, been around him before. He is taking shots. But, well, he is taking shots. He's, he's a nice guy. He's a great situation. guy. But that, he's angry at right, the situation. Right, but, it's a tough spot he's right. in right now. And he's being cornered, and right. he's got an owner who's being very unsupportive, yet he knows that when it starts and the red light goes on and says play football, the whole offensive attack is going to be all around him and his abilities and what he can do and how effective he is, and that's where he's frustrated. So, yeah, my, I just found it peculiar. I'm not calling anybody in the media a liar. I'm sure, you know, sometimes, they're yeah. They're not. They're not. Chris, they're not. They I know are not. not. There's I, no way in hell that they put that out there if they I'm didn't talk to somebody so from the Colts. it to come out of nowhere like that and then the player to be so defiant, and we have yeah. heard nothing about back before this. That's all I'm saying. That's all well, I'm saying. And, I mean, you're absolutely right, but – but again, I don't think that they go with it, especially without checking with Taylor to confirm it, unless they are 100% certain that the Colts are giving them accurate information. And maybe they should have tracked down Taylor. Maybe that was the flaw. But it tells me they believe their source, and their source, I believe, was Ursay. I know that people in the media get a little a little nervous when we start speculating on who sources are, but the circumstances of this one dating back to Wednesday tells me it's Ursay that's putting this stuff out there. And, and what a shock, what a shock, the possibility that Ursay would be wrong. I remember last year when he justified the whole Matt Ryan thing and they benched him to avoid owing him guaranteed money this year. If he'd suffered an injury down the stretch, they would have, had injury guarantees, become full guarantees because they couldn't cut him before he passed a physical, yada, yada. He was completely off the mark. I mean, it was embarrassing how wrong he was about Matt Ryan's contract. So I got more to say about Ursay coming up. I want to pivot to the guy who's in charge of the team, ostensibly, Chris Ballard. Right. Highly respected. Yeah. Good human being. And the first thing I thought on Saturday night when I saw that Taylor had requested a trade was a conversation I had with Chris Ballard last May And I can't remember exactly how it came up, but we got to the topic of guys who want out. And I think it was because one of the big topics in early 2022 was Tyreek Hill getting traded, A.J. Brown getting traded, guys who aren't happy. What do you do when you got a guy who isn't happy? Do you tell him you got to stay put? Do you tell him we'll do something? Here's Ballard on this issue, and he invokes Mike Tomlin as it relates to hostages and volunteers. Mike Tomlin says it best. I always say you want you want volunteers, you know, you want people that want to be here. 
Um, and so when you, when you get a player that doesn't want to be in your organization anymore, what do we, you know, you can, you can play hardball, which sometimes we all do. Um, but you want volunteers. You want people to want to be here. Like the, the one good thing, Mike, about the NFL and, and just football in general, like team still wins. I mean, team, team still wins. I mean, look, every player is important, but them coming together and playing for each other, um, that, that still wins. And it's the great thing about our game. And I, and I think it's what gives it such great parity in our league. Um, the teams that figure it out, come together, you know, they usually, they usually are the teams that end up winning. You make a great point, too, about the Mike Tomlin quote, because you can say to a guy, hey, you know, we have this piece of paper you signed and you're under contract with us for X number of years. But if you have a guy who's showing up every day and he didn't want to be there, it's going to come out. It's going to potentially influence others. It's going to create a bad situation. It's going to be harder to come together as a team if there's a guy that doesn't want to be there. Maybe other guys start, you know what, he's got a good point. I don't want to be here either. And the next thing you know, you got a cancer that's spreading through your organization. Yeah, keeping, you know, getting, doing, having the right guys, it's hard enough. It's hard to freaking win. So, look, now they have a cancer potentially. Now they've got this Jonathan Taylor thing. And one of the things that Chris Ballard said early on, sometimes we play hardball, we all do. And so my question is, and I don't think we're going to get an easy answer to this, is this a Ballard strategy that is now – kind of clumsily stumbling into action or is this Ursay? and my guess my guess because of what i know of ballard and the respect that he has throughout the league my guess is this is Ursay trumping his general manager and taking charge of this situation yeah i mean i don't think there's any doubt about it in my mind that's certainly what it looks like i mean he's Ursay's taking the you know, he's he's on the front line here of, of the conversation. He injected himself into this. So obviously, you know, this is something he's he's, you know, gonna be right front and center with. Right? But but yeah, I mean they got an issue here. And I'm sure Chris Ballard in a lot of ways would like to do right by the players. But again, here's a spot where, you know, again, we don't want to pay him, but I you know, they're they're not gonna let this guy they're gonna hold him hostage for a while. They are. Who are they going to go with at running back, Mike? Tell me that. That's, that's where, you know, Anthony Richardson and what, Zach Moss, who hasn't played very much and been dependable for the Buffalo Bills, they going to go with that? They going to go with somebody else? I don't really know at running back or unproven there at that position. Zeke? So, I, I mean, Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I mean, maybe they could do that. Certainly. Okay. All right, but, you know, I don't think they're going to come in the door for peanuts either. They're probably going to – like, Dalvin's going to ask for more money than Jonathan Taylor's making right now at this moment, I would think. Zeke, yeah, okay, you could probably get him for the low, but you'll also get low average yards per rush when you have him as your running back. You won't be the same team. He's not Jonathan Taylor. He's in the prime. That's, that's, that's where it's tough, you know, and that's where – I you know, that's where – Again, I, I don't know what Jonathan Taylor does in this situation. It's like we talked about with Saquon Barkley. You be there, you do your best, you collect your money, you put yourself on a pitch count. You know, Mike, there's a part of me that thought even with that back thing going out there that maybe he said something like, well, maybe I'm, I'm going to act like my back hurts or I got a back issue. And the Colts were getting out in front of it. And they're going, we're going to squash it right now. Maybe that's what they're doing. I, I, you know, lots of things are popping in my head here. This is a weird situation, and I feel bad for Jonathan Taylor. Well, and I do as well, because he is caught in what could be a broader dance between the agent and the team. And this is something. And look, at the end of the day, even though these are young kids, he's got three years in the NFL, and he's a great kid, great personality, great member of the NFL community. But it just sucks when maybe sometimes players have their own interests caught up in the agendas of others. And I feel like his interests have been caught up in the broader question of running back value, the specific question of what the Colts will pay him, the specific issue of what the agent may or may not have promised Jonathan Taylor to embolden him. And above all else, this is something that should not be playing out as August one looms because it makes it harder to come up with a realistic solution because other teams out there, because even though the Colts have said, we're not going to trade him, it's possible. And I raised this on Saturday night that Ursay is just taking that position to increase his leverage that he will trade him. But one of the best ways to get more for a guy is to say, we ain't trading him. Then they offer you more to prime away. If you say everything must go fire sale, sell, 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 you're not going to get as much. So maybe there's method to the madness, but regardless 
what's out there. Yeah. And I don't know that anything close to what he's looking for is out there. No, it, that, that's, that, that's right. It, but, and maybe it would have been out there in, in March. Right. Well, that's where maybe? it is. Maybe. I don't know. Right. But well, it's not going to be out there now. Exactly. It, it, you know, maybe. You know, every now and then there's a team that goes, oh, whoa, whoa, and they're really good, and they actually need to like the 49ers with Christian McCaffrey last year. But that's that's really rare, you know. The re- the really bad teams, you know, who could maybe use a running back, they don't want to waste, you know, assets on a running back right now, and they'd rather build for the future. The really good teams are sit there at this point and go, wait, we're good. We can find other ways to make up for running back output. So that's where it gets into this this conversation once again, where it's tough, you know. The broader conversation of, yeah, with certain teams, the running back is very important. But we're seeing, too, that you can win without it like we talked about. And, like, I posed the question to you, Mike. Like, who was the last team that won the Super Bowl or was even in the Super Bowl where the team was situated around the running back, right? I know we've had maybe some teams that are more running-centric, but when's the last time? Like, seriously, I'm just throwing that out there. What do you think? Well, Chris, when's the last time a team with a highly compensated high-end top-of-the-market receiver won a Super Bowl? I mean, I guess you could say Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs, but usually you see somebody give a crap load of money to receiver and it doesn't result in a championship. I just think there's so many factors that go into winning a championship that it's, it's not as connected any one factor to the end result because it's so hard to win the playoff games, the playoff games, the championship game. I mean, if you have a great running back who can just pound and pound and pound the defense into submission and you unleash him in the Super Bowl, you're going to be in a better position to win. Like Otis Anderson and your New York Giants back in Super Bowl 25. You just pound and pound and pound and pound if you have a guy like that. So there is some some benefit to that. I think if the Titans ever had gotten to a Super Bowl and they were the one seed a couple of years ago, but they blew it in the divisional round at home against the Bengals, you have Derrick Henry and yeah. you get him going and yeah, you're more likely to win. Maybe the challenge is getting there with the high-end running back because the game is skewed toward the pass. I mean, that's the easy explanation. The game is skewed toward the pass. More and more teams can move the ball through the air effectively, so they do. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're exactly right, you know, and I, I do think that we have more high-end receivers in that part of the game with as far as the Super Bowl and influencing that than the running back right now, right? Like, like I think the 2013 Seahawks would probably be the last team you look at to go, oh, wait, they actually featured the tailback and he was the main part of the offense, and it was that guy. You know, other than that, it, it's it's so that's, you know, again, a thing that's just hurting the running back altogether, like you're talking about. You know, we just showed the list of the Super Bowl teams there and everything like that. Nobody, nobody had to, oh, wait, this is our guy and we're going to ride him like like you talked about, whether it was Otis Anderson or some of the other Emmett Smith or the other great running attacks we saw, you know, growing up or 80s, 90s, even early 2000s. I mean, but so that that's where it's tough. And I just don't know how things are going to change for the running back. Another thing that Ursay said in pushing back against the idea that they weren't going to offer a fair contract to Jonathan Taylor, just this idea that we take care of our players. Well, Edger and James never got a second contract with the Colts. They wrote out his rookie deal. They tagged him once, and then they let him go. And that's why this is important to Taylor. He's due to make $4.3 million this year, which his salary got bumped up because of his performance early in his career. Those clauses in the CBA that will enhance that final year, what would be a minimum salary, into something a little more fair. But after this season, without a long-term deal, he gets tagged. And what's he at? 10.1, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower. It's been going down in recent years because of the running back market. So he's stuck He could have 2,500 yards rushing this year, and he's stuck by the franchise tag, and he has no real leverage. He's Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley next year if he has a big season this year. That's the other part of this. It's not just, I want my contract now. It's, I want my contract at all, and I see the way this is going. You're going to burn up the four years of my rookie contract. You're going to tag me once. And if I have a big enough year that year, you're going to tag me again. And then that's when you're going to declare, I'm too old. I'm too banged up. There's too many other options out there that are younger and cheaper. Anthony Richardson's coming into his own now. We're going to pivot toward the passing game. We can't afford Jonathan Taylor. And he's done after six years with the Colts. That's why 
it's important to make that stand after your third season. Because if you don't make that stand after your third season, they're going to chew you up and they're going to spit you out and you're going to be gone and it's going to be over and you're just going to be out there looking for scraps with other teams or waiting until late July, August to even find a a contract offer like Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook right now. Yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. It, it's almost like if you're if you're a pretty good running back and you have a significant, you know, yardage output for your offense, you you almost have to hold out after year three. Now it's almost a, you know that's kind of where we got into this conversation last week, where I was going, you know, I don't know what happens here. I'd love to see running backs in some ways be a free agent after year one. Right, if, if they it won't happen, it won't happen. I know, I know. That, it won't I, it's a great solution, just, but it'll never happen. That's the problem. I know. I, you know. And, and I hope, I hope that the running backs see this, see what's going on. They get pissed off, and they come up with an effective way. And I've run this by a bunch of people around the league, and they basically think that the running backs aren't sufficiently selfless to do this collectively. All the running backs right now, they sign on to a pledge that they're not going to participate in the voluntary offseason program next year. The agents get involved and say that they're players that they represent coming out in the draft or who sign as undrafted free agents and who stand to gain from getting the reps with the starters gone. They won't show up either. You got eight months to work this out. That's what these guys should be doing. You want to push toward a solution. First of all, there's no easy solution. There's no switch in the dark that you're going to grope long enough to find. you got to have a plan. And the plan should be collective action under the CBA. You're allowed to not show up for the off-season program, the voluntary side of it. Some guys have workout bonuses. That becomes a complication. But most guys don't. Don't show up. Exert your leverage that way and force the league to create the Chris Sims not anyone else's, the Chris Sims league-wide fund to compensate running backs as they go. That's the only solution that could work. Specific pressure from the running backs on the league, and the league reacts by creating a pot of money independent of the salary cap to pay these guys. Yeah. That's it. I, That's I, the only solution. So. Yeah. Best solution, only solution. Nothing else is going to work. Shorter path to free agency, waste of time. They're never going to agree to it. And the union's never going to ask for it because they're going to have to give up something that affects the other players. That's the other part of this dance. All the running backs come together. They give the NFL the collective middle finger. You're not going to have OTAs without running backs on the field. And maybe they get that fund that you first suggested back in March when we were dealing with the Austin Eckler thing. See, Austin Eckler did it the right way. He tried to get a trade, even though it didn't work. He tried to get the trade in March. Not in late July, early August when everyone has spent their money and everyone knows who their guys are at a position where they believe it's all interchangeable parts. One last thing, Mersey. And I don't want to belabor this, but I feel compelled to address it. His comment that he tweeted on Saturday. If I die tonight, he didn't tweet this. Let me get this accurate. This is a comment that he made to James Boyd of The Athletic. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. Well, first of all, who cares? What does that have to do with anything? Of course the league rolls on. That's a justification for not paying a guy? Well, you know what? We're all going to be dead someday. You know, I've considered your position very carefully. You articulate some very strong arguments in in support of your position that we should offer you more than we're currently offering. But here's our response. We're all going to be dead someday. I mean, what the hell is that? What is that? How is the, how does that justify anything as it relates to not properly compensating the best player on your team right I, now? Yeah, I, I think it was more of a it's more of a <clears throat> almost a threat basically is what he's saying. I think he's basically saying like, hey, and if we got if he if he has to sit out football, or whatever, don't worry, we'll be fine here in football. I think that's kind of what he's saying there. Then trade him. I know that's the thing. If yeah. you can be, if you're going to be fine without him, then trade him to another team. Get value. Move on. Get the the potential cancer out of your locker room because the moves you make with this guy are going to piss off your other t- players. That's the problem, I and mean, that's probably where Chris Ballard isn't sleeping much now. If my theory is right, and Jim Irsay is calling the shots on this, Irsay is going to piss off enough guys in that locker room. They're going to have a hell of a time holding everyone together in 2023. Yeah, uh, you got to be careful. It's certainly it's a big year. You what did you say coach. last week? How the other players view the running back. 
Right? The, the running back is the toughest, baddest MF in the locker room. That's why. Yeah. They all rally around it. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, that, that's where it, it's a shame. It's where the, lo- the locker room is going to give a little leeway in these situations to the running back for, for, yeah, exactly those reasons. Like we talked about. Jonathan Taylor, he could get in the middle of the locker room and fight to Forrest Buckner, and we'd go, damn, it's a good fight, <laughs> just like we were talking about. And then he could get on, on, on the line and race the wide receivers, and we'd go, damn, he's going to beat the receivers too? So wait, he, he got in a good fight with Quentin Nelson or DeVorce Buckner, and it was, a, it was awesome to watch, and now he's the fastest guy in the football field. Oh, and when we go out in the basketball court, you know, him and Saquon Barkley are going through the legs dunks at 5'10", right? So that's where they have us. The, the players have a soft spot in their heart for the running back that way. They do. And that's where they can maybe play a little bit more dirty in this situation than, than other players might get away with in the locker room. And I, I don't think anybody in that locker room is going to be mad at Jonathan Taylor if he makes this tough and takes a tough stand and really sticks it to the Colts. They'll be disappointed for their own selves and the team and all that, but they'll understand the brutal business in the NFL right now, especially for the running backs. And let me say one last thing about this. <sighs> How do I choose my words carefully here? This idea that it's a privilege to play in the NFL is a bunch of bullshit. It's a privilege for the team to employ a high-end world-class athlete to put on the field to try to win football games. They're not handing these out like golden tickets in Wonka bars. This is something that you earn through a combination of your God-given ability, a willingness to use it, and busting your ass every step of the way, proving yourself every level of football, working and working and working to position yourself to bring value to a team. They're not drafting guys because they like them. They're not drafting guys because they have a great background story and it'll be inspirational to the locker room. They're drafting guys who are going to come in and play football better than other people. It is not a privilege for the player. It is a privilege for the team. Team to have access through a draft where you can tell a guy you may not want to live in Indianapolis. Tough crap. It's a privilege for the team to have these guys on the roster. And I know that triggers all the fans out there that line up behind the laundry and protect the billionaires. And they're out in full force on Twitter protecting the billionaires, folks. Billionaires, you're covered. You got all the money you need and you got all the people out there who are they got your back. Poor, pathetic billionaires. They got your back. It pisses me off that they push this idea that it's a privilege for the players. It's a privilege for the teams to employ the players. I'm not going to disagree with with much you said. I'm glad you feel better. Good. Glad you got it off to your chest. I feel better. Well, you were one of them at one point. I know. Look what they did to you in Tampa. They yeah. didn't give you your contract. No, and you, you, you've admitted in the past you should have held out. You should have pushed harder. You should have done something. 100%. But it's an honor and a privilege to play in the National Football League. Yeah, well, I mean, it goes back to stuff, what you said. It gets used against you. I, I'm going, damn. Yeah, it does. I, I want to play football. I'm a quarterback. And my dad was Phil Sims, And this is what we do. And, yeah, it got used against me. And now I have a 10-inch scar on my belly and no spleen. They, they use the player's love of the game against them, period. And that's, that's the Jim Ursay quote about privilege from a guy who lived a life of privilege and did nothing to build that team, nothing to take any financial risk. It was just handed to him. There's, no, there's all privilege there. There's no privilege on Jonathan Taylor's side of it. All right, I, I do feel better. This is very therapeutic for me, especially after the night that we had uh, between the uh, the the vaccine reaction and the <laughs> blood all over the. I, I probably should clean up the blood after the the uh, the show today. That would probably be a good idea if I go clean up the blood. All right, we're going to take a break. More PFT live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.